Hello moms, dads, sisters, brothers, aunts, and uncles who are teachers. Welcome to this episode of Teacher Care Now. I hope that you have taken some time today just to breathe and relax. Now, let's get into our lesson for today. Class is in session. Hello, I'm Joyce Sonia Lawson, and welcome to the fifth episode of Teacher Care Now. My goal is to help teachers reprioritize our lives and improve our health, wellness, time management, work satisfaction, and family time. But it's also important to discuss current events going on in education, too. So that's what we're going to do today in this episode. Earlier this month, there was a lot of media coverage about a teacher who was fired for refusing to follow the no zero grading policy at her school. If you haven't read the article, I've included the one that I'm going to be referencing in the show notes, and I'm going to play the video shared by West Palm Beach Television. They are one of the news outlets for that area in St. Lucie County in Florida. If you haven't heard about what happened, I'm going to summarize it for you. Diane Torado, a teacher of 17 years, started working at Gate K-8 schools in Port St. Lucie as an 8th grade U.S. history teacher on July 30th, 2018. She did not agree with the no zero grade policy of the school and had a conversation with her administration about it. She assigned an Explorer notebook project and gave students two weeks to complete and turn it in. Toronto was fired on September 14th, 2018. No reason was given on her termination letter. Toronto was on a probationary contract. She had been teaching for 17 years, but was on a probationary contract. So the principal, Christy Park, was not required to give a reason for termination. On her last day, she wrote a message to her students, took a picture of it through a class app, and sent it to them. The note said, Bye, kids. Mrs. Torado loves you and wishes you the best in life. I have been fired for refusing to give you a 50% for not handing anything in. Heart, Mrs. Torado. When I think about this no zero grade policy, I think... Where in the world can I go, not show up for work for a month, and get half of a paycheck? Where can I go and not pay my electricity bill and have electricity for half of every day? Finally, can I go to the grocery store, take six eggs out of the dozen, walk by the cashier and say, oh, it's okay, I'm not going to pay for it. I only took half, and it be okay? The answer, nowhere. So why is it okay to teach students that they do not have to turn in any work and they will still get 50%? Diane Torado acted out of her moral compass. She does not believe that students should get a 50% for assignments they do not turn in. I agree. 
She believes that a grade in class should be earned. I agree. She believes that policies like this will foster a nation of kids who are expected to get paid and live a life just for showing up. I agree. I'm not sure if Mrs. Toronto thought about the consequences of her actions, but this just reminds me of our place in the educational system as teachers. I used to think that teachers were partners in the educational system. I thought that we were working together with our school districts, but I was wrong. Several years ago, based on the way teachers were treated, I realized that we were just employees. Our voices are not taken into consideration when policies about what is best for students are decided. The extra work that we must perform is not considered in the policies when deciding what is best for students. Neither is a reality check, to be honest, about if teachers can reasonably perform the needed tasks that are required of us within our regular working hours. But because we love teaching or because it's our passion, we try to do the job anyway. Based on the way we are treated, we are just employees who are required to carry out the work. So when I heard about this happening, I wasn't surprised. As employees, we must do what our supervisors and employers say. If not, it can cost us our jobs. We want to believe that if we take the higher road, if we do what we truly believe is best for students, it will be understood and respected. But in the end, we have to remember that based on the way we are treated, that we are just employees carrying out someone else's mission. This was a hard pill for me to swallow at first, but eventually I accepted it. There is so much that teachers are instructed to do that we don't agree with. Many of us give up and just do what we're told. I applaud Diane Tirado for standing up for what she believed in. When I was 16 years old, I was in my uncle's teen Sunday school class. We were having presentations and he talked about how he picked out a poster for each of his Sunday school students based on our personalities and what he saw in us. The poster that he picked out for me says, stand up for what is right, even if you're standing alone. Every time I walk up the stairs of my house, that poster is staring at me before I enter my bedroom. This is what he thought of when he thought of me. I have tried my best to live up to this. And in most areas, I think I've done well. But as it pertains to being a teacher, I know that I failed. I have allowed the pressures, the weights, and the stress of this job to make me fold in many areas. I work with my students every day. I know what is best for them academically. But I have given up and followed what I was instructed to do. I have complied even when I know that what we are instructed to do was not what was in the best interest of my students. It's gotten to the point that it doesn't matter 
what I'm asked to do. If my employer told me to do it, I did it. I was tired of fighting when no one was fighting for me. It's my nature to always go above and beyond. But when going above and beyond was affecting my health, the school system wasn't there for me. So what did I do? I gave up. I gave up and I gave in. And I did what I was instructed to do. I stopped going above and beyond and started to just do my job. I didn't feel supported. I didn't feel like I was treated as a professional. I didn't feel as if the school system was looking out for my best interest and how to best teach my students. And if they weren't looking out for my best interest, how could they say that they were looking out for students' best interest? I gave up. It took some pressure off of me. I learned to move on with my instruction to follow along with the pacing guide. I learned to refer back to school policy when parents felt that something I was doing was not in the best interest of their child. I gave up. Guess what? There are so many other teachers who have just given up too. Being overworked, overwhelmed, and undersupported takes a toll on us. But in order to continue doing what we love, we just give up our best judgment as to what is best for our students and we do what we're instructed to do. I applaud Diane Torado for standing up for what she believed was right. But there was something very disturbing about reading the article and watching the video. And I'm not sure most people picked up on it. I'm going to play a video of the superintendent, Wayne E. Gent, talking about grading. We're the first to tell you about a former teacher who used a whiteboard to call out a policy where students get 50% for assignments they did not do, and it got your attention. On Facebook, nearly 2,000 people shared our story. New tonight, and only on five, the St. Lucie County School Superintendent defends what the district says is actually a more effective grading philosophy. News Channel 5's Amy Littman is live now with how he says it ensures struggling students don't get left behind. Amy? Well, many people think that a 50% grade on an uncompleted assignment is just a handout. The superintendent here of St. Lucie County Schools reminds everyone that that is still a failing grade. And he says the philosophy behind trying not to give students zeros is really meant to be more motivating. Many of you used social media to agree with longtime teacher Diane Torado, who told me she wants to motivate her students to try their hardest. A grade in Ms. Torado's class is earned. That what you get here is because you've earned it. Which is why she doesn't believe in giving a 50% for work that's never completed. That led her to write this goodbye message to her 8th graders on her whiteboard at Westgate K-8 in Port St. Lucie. The response... Um, was unbelievable. And it's a hot topic and it's everywhere. As her message continues to go viral, St. Lucie County Schools Superintendent Wayne Gent sat down exclusively with me to share another message. We want to make sure that the grades themselves are not punitive in nature. Students are required to meet certain standards. If you don't meet it on the first shot, 
and we're going to give you other opportunities to meet it. He says the main goal is not to put students way behind for missing an assignment, while allowing them the chance to continue to show they've learned the material. That's the ultimate goal. The easy way is to say, okay, we're going to move on and leave you behind, and then that kid is going to be unsuccessful, and that's not the culture that we've established in this school district. I'm told this is not a district-wide policy, but instead it's considered more of a best practice for grading. And if you think about this on the scale of a grade point average with a 4 being an A and a 0 being an F, a 50% is still an F, which is considered a 0 GPA. Reporting live in Port St. Lucie, Amy Lippman, WPTV News Channel 5. There are two parts from what the superintendent said that stands out to me. First of all, he said... We want to make sure that the grades themselves are not punitive in nature. What exactly does this mean? That the grades themselves are not punitive in nature. They're called consequences, Superintendent Gent. When you don't do something, there are consequences. And when you do something, there are consequences. You can look at it as punishment if you want, but you definitely shouldn't be given a reward for doing nothing. Teachers don't give grades for punishment or rewards. That's just a part of our job. We give grades because we have to. You can look at that positively or negatively. That is a personal preference, but just because it is not a grade that the student does not like does not mean that the grade was punitive in nature. This is the next part of what he said that I wanted to break down. He said, the easy way is to say, okay, we're going to move on and leave you behind. And that student is going to be unsuccessful. That's not the culture that we've established in this school district. First of all, none of this is easy. He is not a current classroom teacher. He is not in the classroom every day and he doesn't have to manage grades there is nothing easy about grading when i have to sit and get 70 papers graded deal with students not following directions not putting their names on their paper not answering the entire question none of this is easy Teachers can spend hours at a time grading papers and we still have to prepare to instruct students so Nothing about grading is easy. Second of all, he is speaking as if he is in this with the teachers. I understand this is the politically correct thing to say, but it is untrue. He said the easy way is to say, okay, we're going to move on and leave you behind. No teacher wants to do this, but in order to try to cover everything that we are required to cover, we have to move on at some point. For him to say it as if we just don't care if a student gets the information or not is deceitful. We are not leaving a student behind. If a student is not turning in the work, the student has chosen to make that decision. Where does student accountability come in, Mr. Gent? If I have five students who don't turn in this assignment, seven students who don't turn in this assignment, and three students who don't turn in this assignment, what extra time is the county giving me in order to figure this all out? None. 
Now this cuts into my planning time, conferences with students, conferences with parents, meeting, running copies, and all of the other tasks that teachers have to do. He just lets students off the hook and put all accountability and responsibility for a student's success on teachers. He is not in the classroom daily. He is removed from this. Finally, Mr. Gent said, that's not the culture that we've established in the school system. Oh, but it is, Mr. Gent. Teachers are overwhelmed and torn every day. We want to reteach and review when our students have not mastered a skill, but most curriculums do not build in time for us to do this, leaving us with no choice but to move on or not following the pacing guide that we have from the county. What are we supposed to do, Mr. Gent? In my opinion, this is an example of a superintendent not supporting his teachers. He didn't even care to address Diane Toronto by name, what she did personally, or what she may have been thinking. He talked about what the district says is a more effective grading policy, in which she did not break the county's grading policy. I wonder if he even knows Diane Toronto's name. I wonder if he knows that she's a wife, a mother. She is a human being that is passionate about teaching. That she would want those same standards for her own children. How do I know? Because that's the same thing that I want for mine. She started working with the students in August of this year and was terminated a little more than a month later. The superintendent said that students are required to meet certain standards, and if they don't meet them on the first shot, they were going to be given other opportunities to meet it. But does this county give the teachers the same opportunities? Mrs. Toronto worked with the students for about a month. Where were her other opportunities to show that she was still an effective teacher? Was she given several opportunities just like she was expected to give her students? These are double standards in education that happen all of the time. But because they hurt the teacher, no one talks about it. Instead of working with this tenured teacher who had already proven that she was qualified to do this job, she was just punished. This was just punitive in nature. But she didn't give up. I applaud Diane Toronto for taking a stand and speaking out now louder than ever before. Now she is working to get this and other policies like this one changed. Diane Toronto, I support you. You are encouraging to teachers all over. And you taking a stand, you have empowered teachers all over. So today, I'm going to give you three tips for how to deal with policies or procedures at work that affect you that you don't agree with. This happens to us all the time. Number one, remember your place. Some school districts provide environments where teachers are encouraged to take risks, take chances, be heard, use their best judgment to do what is in the best interest of students. And others don't. Know your place in the school district so you may know what you're up against. Tip number two, pick your battles. 
there are some policies or procedures that are just not that important to you and you give up and you do what you're told to do. And there are other issues that can test your morals. You have to decide which battles to fight and which ones not to fight. Just know that the decision is yours. Tip number three, make the best decision for you and your family and stick with it no matter what, based on what you know, possible consequences, and if you're willing to deal with the consequences of those actions. You need to make the best decision for you and your family and don't allow anyone else to change your mind. You will find people who agree with you and people who don't. That's okay. It's still your decision to make. I would love to hear from you about this situation. Do you agree or disagree with Diane Torado? Do you agree or disagree with what the principal did? Do you agree or disagree with the statements that Superintendent Gent made? I would also love to know if Diane's decision to stand up has encouraged you in any way. You can email me at tcarenow123 at gmail.com or leave a message or comment on this site. Learning about what happened to Diane Toronto has empowered me. This is another example of a teacher standing up for what she believed. It reminds me of why I chose to do this podcast. Many days I thought that this podcast may be negatively viewed by my employer, but sitting back and saying nothing to help the teachers who are suffering meant more to me. I thought about the consequences of being real and raw. I thought about the consequences of not being politically correct, and I decided to take a stand anyway. Teachers should not feel that we don't have a voice, we are not important, or that we stand alone. We don't stand alone. I needed to hear that. I feel empowered more than ever before. I have the right to speak up and speak out. So do you. We are human beings. I work as a teacher. I deserve to be at my best for my family first. Then, while at work, my students first. So many teachers mumble and complain about what's going on in the system. We try to smile and continue doing our job while it continues to break us down. For me, I had to do more because it cost me so much. If it means actually discussing what goes on in the classroom and the educational system in order to come up with things that we can do to cope with our job, still keep our sanity, improve our health or wellness, or help us value our family time more, then I'm willing to do it. And I believe that it all starts with teacher care now. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Teacher Care Now. I look forward to you tuning into the next episode. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please leave a review and share this with your teacher friends. That is the best way to improve the ratings so that other teachers can find this podcast and get the support they need. You can also share your story and topics that are important to teachers but are not discussed enough in education at tcarenow123 
at gmail.com. We matter. And remember, at least once a day, take the time to breathe. For now, class is out, but it is always time for teacher care now. A special thanks to Jim Butler of Deep Energy Podcast. You hear Jim's music in our introduction and our closure. I enjoy his soft, relaxing music, and I'm sure you will too. So check out his podcast on iTunes and his website, jimbutlermusic.com.